reasons that so many people are so exhausted with life is that they're carrying the heavy burden of worry around on their shoulders. I wonder if you know anyone like that. You can't enjoy life. You, you can't find the rest you so desperately need when you're carrying around the worries of the world. You just can't. Hi, I'm Bernie Diamond, and thank you so much for joining me again on Christianity Works. Today we're heading into God's Word for the last message in this series called, Oh God, I Need a Rest. Because I know that God wants to fill you with His rest for the rest of your life. I've met people in this world, and all they do all the time is worry. It's part of our human nature, I guess. We're confronted with something beyond us, something that appears to be overwhelming, something that could well have negative consequences in our lives. And here's what we do. We turn it over and over and over in our heads. We imagine each one of those negative consequences that could arise over and over and over. And can I tell you, that sort of thinking just drives you into the ground. It's like around and around and around we go. And from experience, I can tell you, It's just exhausting. You probably know the feeling because no doubt you've been there too. Well, over the last few weeks, we've been talking about entering into God's rest, actually finding a deep rest instead of carrying the weight of the world around on our shoulders. But when we're worrying around and around, there can be no rest because worrying robs us of God's rest. That's why we need to deal with that once and for all. My hunch is there are a few people today, perhaps me included, who need to hear what God has to say on worrying. Remember last week, if you were with us on the program, we talked about the fact that God loves us, and because he loves us, he wants us to have rest. Have another listen, Psalm 127, beginning at verse 2. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives sleep to those whom he loves. Anxiousness is about worrying, isn't it? And whatever the one big thing is that each of us is worrying about in our lives right at the moment, it's a bit like a dark cloud that hangs over us that never goes away. Jesus knew that. That's why he had this to say about worrying, this habit that we fall into, this this worrying that we do that robs us of the rest and the peace that God wants us to have. Have a listen. I love the way he calls a spade a spade and tells it the way it is. And and look, if you need a wake-up call, if you need some healing from this habit of worrying, please listen closely. Perhaps it's a familiar passage, but maybe, maybe, just maybe, it's something we need to hear afresh and anew because when God speaks into our lives through his spirit and his word, he can bring healing in an instant into something that's been troubling us for a lifetime. Here we go, Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 25. Therefore I tell you, said Jesus, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? I mean, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor they reap nor gather into barns and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you of more value than them? And can any of you, by worrying... Add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothing? I mean, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither spin nor toil. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his glory was clothed like one of those. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow it's thrown into the oven, won't he much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore, 
Do not worry saying, what will I eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? For it's the Gentiles who strive for all those things. And indeed, your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But instead, first strive for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all those other things will be given to you as well. So don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will have enough worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. You know, the bit I really like that hits me between the eyes in this is Matthew chapter 6, verse 27. He says, And can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? I mean... It's blindingly, glimpsingly obvious, isn't it? Worrying about something has a zero positive effect on the outcome. Worrying isn't going to produce a good outcome. If there are retrenchments going around in the company where we work, worrying about whether we're going to be next simply isn't going to change the outcome. In fact, worrying actually has a negative effect because it immobilises us. It stops us from using our imagination, our creativity to find solutions. It it stops us from doing the things that we can do to fix the problem. Here's a classic. I'm worried about the debt I've racked up on my credit card. How am I going to pay it off? What am I going to do? I know. I'll go and buy something to make me feel better, right? I mean, that's what people do. Not only is worrying never, ever, ever going to have a positive impact on the problem, it more often than not robs us of the solution. God knows. He knows what we need. He knows we need a job and income and food and somewhere to live. He knows those things. And he also knows when our body's going to fail us. He knows the precise instant when we will leave our bodies behind and go and stand before him. He knows that. Man, worry is useless. And above all, it robs us of God's rest. I truly believe that God wants you and me to understand that today. And I truly believe that his word is going to have a powerful and a mighty impact on both of us today. The Lord's advice is simple. Just give it up. Stop worrying and replace that worrying with something else. Focus your mind and your energies and your heart on something else. First, strive for the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all those other things will be given to you as well. And so that's what I choose to do when the devil sows seeds of doubt and worry in my mind. My friend, the devil wants us to worry. He knows that it robs us of the rest of God, the peace of God, the joy of God, the power of God. And today is a day for us to decide to leave that behind, to focus our lives on seeking after God and his kingdom and his goodness, on living our lives out for him first and foremost, and then all these other things that we need will be given to us as well. That's the promise. He loves us. He's our dad. He will give us what we need. He will let us travel through whatever he chooses. And one day, one day when we stand before him, none of those things will matter anymore. So listen, do yourself a favor. Don't worry about tomorrow. Just just don't. It's not my idea. It's his. You know something, I think we'd worry a whole bunch less if we truly came to grips with the fact that God, God isn't just the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He's also our helper. Now, a close friend of mine, Graham, turned 70 just recently. He was a colonel in the army when I was a captain serving under him. And then we formed an IT consulting firm together with a third guy. 
And we did that way back in 1988. Graham was a year younger then than I am now. And as I was writing his birthday card just recently, I stopped to think back on what incredibly hard work it had been starting off that consulting firm. The three of us left the army. None of us really had ever run a business or worked in the private sector before. And those first five to seven years, we had to carve something new out of that coalface. We had to develop experience and develop a client base and, and develop a company from scratch. There were months we couldn't pay ourselves. There were times we didn't know whether we'd survive. They were a tough few years. And then when it grew and became successful and it was even hard work maintaining that success, you're only as good as your last job in the consulting game. But there was one thing, one thing that made it tolerable. And that one thing was Graham. See, funny thing, I was a fresh-faced young captain working for Graham, the colonel in the army, but we hit it off, just kind of clicked. So when he invited me into this new venture after we'd all left the army, I jumped at it. And ultimately, Graham, our other partner, he'd been the major mark, and I were three equal shareholders in this consulting firm. We owned it together. But we made Graham the managing director, the CEO, if you will. And there was a reason for that. He was the oldest, 20 years my senior, and he was the smartest. Graham had, and still has, a wisdom that I value very highly. When I read the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament, a lot of it's about wisdom. Passages like this one, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. Happy are those who find wisdom and those who get understanding, for her income is better than silver and her revenue better than gold. When I read passages like that, I think of his wisdom. He took a hold of me when I was in my late 20s, smart as a button, lots of energy, lots of enthusiasm, but frankly, a bit immature. I had a lot to learn, and Graham took it upon himself to teach me. For the next 17 years or so, he was my mentor, and I, in effect, was his deputy, his understudy. Now, it took me a while to realise it, but without him doing what he did for me, I wouldn't be who I am today. It's as simple as that. But here's the thing. Even though he was the oldest and the smartest, and we made him the boss, if you like, and even though he was a strong leader... He made those tough early years tolerable by being our servant. You see, he didn't sit up on high and push memos and edicts out the door. He put his nose to the grindstone. He pushed harder than just about anyone I've ever known. Now, why am I telling you this? Over the last few weeks, we've been looking at how tired and how exhausted we all get in life and what to do about it, how to enter into God's rest. And we're continuing with that theme today on the program, and what we're doing, I guess, is, is getting down into the nitty-gritty of how to enter into God's rest, how actually to live a life where we're not physically, emotionally and spiritually exhausted, because that's what a lot of people are, exhausted. What we need in life so often is help. Help not just in doing what we have to do, as important as that may be, but also in making things better. Help in dealing with things, in coping with things, help in changing things for the better, help in learning how to improve, how to behave differently, how to react differently, because all of those things make a difference, a huge difference to our lives. When we get things right, irrespective of the pressures that life brings, we can have rest. If we don't, if we're angry all the time or touchy, or if we take things personally all the time, then we're going to be exhausted. And when I started off working in this fledgling IT consulting firm way back in 1988, the last thing I expected was to get a mentor like Graham to teach me those things in life. 
He imparted his wisdom into my life through the things we experienced together, the conflict situations in client organisations, the, the financial pressures, dealing with difficult staff, planning the future. All those experiences he used very carefully to teach me his wisdom. What an incredible blessing and, and one that I didn't expect from the colonel, the boss. And I guess that brings me to the point of what I'm trying to say. This same mentorship and guidance and help is something that God promises us over and over and over and over again. Some of the feminists get a bit upset when in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, it says that Eve, the woman, that she was Adam's helper. Because we have this wacky hierarchical view of the world that puts the helper below the one being helped on the old totem pole, right? But what would you say if I told you that throughout the Old Testament, whenever that word helper is used, by far the most common usage of it is in terms of God being our helper. Psalm 54 verse 4, But surely God is my helper. The Lord is the upholder of my life. Jesus was very specific about wanting to be our helper. Matthew chapter 11, beginning at verse 28. Come to me all who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, because I'm gentle, I'm humble of heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. My yoke's easy. My burden is light. The picture of two oxen yoked together, pulling a load together, and what the farmers did is they'd always put a young, inexperienced ox with an older, more mature one who knew the drill and could teach the younger one how to do it. Now imagine God's own son, the creator of the universe, the king of kings, the, the lord of lords, is saying to you and me, in effect, so uh, things are tough, eh? Well, come and do it my way. Come on, let me teach you and show you. I'll put my shoulder into it too. I'll use all that I am and all that I have to lighten your load. It's much easier that way. And you'll discover rest for your souls. See, that's what Jesus is saying. We, we never, ever expect God to be our helper. He's always way up there and we're way down here in the pecking order. But the reason I told you the story about Graham and how he impacted my life is that I think it's the best way of explaining what Jesus is talking about here except that instead of having a fallible man doing our mentoring and helping and serving, Jesus is talking about God himself doing that for us. So every trial, every tribulation, every tough spot and tight corner and pothole in the road, every situation that exhausts us is our opportunity to say, hang on, there's a different way of handling this. I don't have to be scared or upset or angry. All those things are exhausting. There is a bold practical promise from the Son of God that if I get myself yoked up alongside him, that it'll be much easier. That even though I'm pulling this heavy load, that God will be my helper, guiding me as to which direction I should head in, how fast I should walk, and then putting his shoulder to the wheel and pushing in the same direction as me. Now that, that is rest. As we come to the end of this series on entering into God's rest, there's just one more issue I think we need to deal with, and that is the perception that it can't possibly be for me or for you because we're just not worthy. How, how can I possibly enter into the rest of God when I know there are things in my past that I've done wrong, things that have offended God? 
We know the theory, many of us, that we're forgiven through our faith in Jesus, but we, we struggle to believe it in our hearts. It's one of the reasons I spent most of my early years running away from God, because deep down I knew, I mean, I just knew that he was going to punish me. So better to avoid him for as long as possible. But have a listen to this. If you've got a Bible, open it at Psalm 103, beginning at verse 8. The Lord is merciful and gracious and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He won't always accuse, nor will he keep his anger forever. He doesn't deal with us according to our sins, nor does he repay us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he removes our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion for his kids, so the Lord has compassion for those who fear him. For he knows how we're made. He remembers that we're dust. So, yes, he is both merciful and gracious on the one hand, but God does have anger. The thing that puts us either on one end of that or the other, well, he tells us in this passage too, verse 13, he has compassion for his children, those who fear him. Who are his children? Anyone who puts their trust in Jesus Christ, his son. Because God loves us so much that he sent his one and only son so that whoever believes in him wouldn't perish but instead have eternal life. And the moment we do that, the moment we trust that Jesus really did take our sin on his shoulders on that cross so that we could be forgiven, then we are forgiven. And then this psalm applies to us. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. That is so beautiful. If you struggle with getting your heart and your mind around the forgiveness of God, can, can I implore you to grab a Bible and this week spend some time in this short psalm, Psalm 103, verses 8 to 14. It is such powerful language. And they're not my words. They're God's words. This is the Word of God. The Spirit of God wants to take this and place it in our hearts so that we can wrap our hearts around God's forgiveness. He loves us more than we can ever imagine. And he separates us from our sin as far as the east is from the west. And I love the bit at the end, too, where it says in verse 14, because he knows who we are, he remembers that we're dust. In other words, he understands. He, he cuts us some slack to make mistakes and learn and grow, just as we do with our own kids, because we love them more than they can ever, ever imagine. God, God is a good God. And he has good plans for thee and for me. Have a listen to this. Jeremiah chapter 29, beginning at verse 11. God says to his people who were struggling, who, who were in captivity, who thought they lost everything, he says, Surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for your welfare, not for your harm, to give you a future with hope. Then when you call upon me and you come and pray to me, I'll hear you. When you search for me, you'll find me if you seek me with all your heart. I'll let you find me, says the Lord, and I'll restore to you your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and the places where I have driven you, says the Lord, and I'll bring you back, back to the place from which I sent you into exile. Sometimes we feel 
like we're in exile. Sometimes we feel like everything's gone wrong and, and God's failed us or maybe God's not strong enough or maybe God's not there or maybe God's just lost interest in our plight. Sometimes we feel like that and we just need to know that God does want us to enter into his rest. Of course we'll walk through wildernesses from time to time, trials, suffering, of course we will. And there'll be times in our lives, like Israel, where we're left wondering about the sort of God that God actually is. That's why it's important for us today to get God's word into our hearts. God is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, a love that's higher than we can imagine, as high as the heavens are above the earth, with a forgiveness that's more complete than we can ever imagine. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. And he has good plans for us. That's why we can enter his rest. And every time I think to myself, you know, I just don't deserve that. I I turned my back on God and and I sinned and I rebelled and I rejected him. I remember that, that Jesus looked at that and he didn't let my failings, my sin, stop him from going to the cross for me. In fact, it was because of my sin, it was because of your sin that Jesus went to the cross. That's the whole point, because we needed saving. And that's why we can enter his rest. Not when we die, right now, we can enter his rest. When we abide in him, I love that word abide, we finally, finally enter into his rest and experience the peace and the joy that Jesus came to bring us. My friend, God does not want you or me to live the rest of our lives absolutely exhausted. Sure, he wants us to do some things. Sure, that means hard work sometimes. But you know what? Right in the middle of that hard work, he wants to be yoked up next to us and pushing in the same direction as us so that you and I can enter the rest of God. You've been listening to Christianity Works with Bernie Dimet. Before we go, there's something truly important that I need to share with you. This podcast is only made possible through the prayer and support of friends like you. Each week, millions of people hear about Jesus through Christianity Works radio and television broadcasts and through podcasts just like this one. Your generous gift of support today will help take the gospel of Jesus Christ far and wide around the globe. Just stop by at ChristianityWorks.org and click the donate button. And when you do give, don't forget to request your free copy of this month's latest life application e-booklet. Thank you so much for your generous gift of support today. Again, that web address is ChristianityWorks.org. I'm Jennifer. We'll catch you again next time. 